0: Welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to yet another episode of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And if you would do me a favor, please subscribe to wherever you're listening. Please subscribe to wherever you're watching. It would definitely mean a lot to me. But this is where we are start. So, I'm, I'm, if you guys have been following me, I definitely did. Uh, I, I predicted the brackets for both the men's side of the NCAA tournament in the women's side, and <laughs> both of my brackets were bursted completely. Like, I had, what, Illinois winning the men's side, and hell, they, they they lost. I had Maryland winning the women's, and they lost to, what, Texas, I think. So, this is just me giving an update of what's been going on, what's been happening. Right now, we're sitting at the Final Four. Uh, you have UConn going against Arizona, you have South Carolina going against Stanford. On the men's side, you have Gonzaga going against Michigan. And you have Houston going against Baylor. And I'm gonna talk about the women's side first. First and foremost, one one thing a coach has always said, right? One thing a coach has always said is do not let the game get close enough where the where the refs can dictate it. And I'm talking about what happened between Baylor and UConn. Baylor was down one. The young lady drove to the basket. UConn clearly fouled her. Hell, two two players fouled her. But uh, the refs didn't call it. And because of that, UConn marching on to meet Arizona in the Final Four. And again, man, it... We all talk about the the final play, which it was an egregious miscall. I don't know how the hell you don't call it, but a lot of people aren't talking about before that. UConn went on a nineteen zero run. You know what I mean? Uh, now that that was spurred due to the fact that I think Baylor's best player had like a hamstring injury. Uh, but you know, it is it, it is what it is. That's what happens in sports. And congratulations to UConn for making it to the final four and congratulations to hell Arizona for making it to the final four. Congratulations to South Carolina and congratulations to Stanford, Stanford and South Carolina and UConn pretty much has been they I'm not going to say they've been, they they've been the best teams, but of course, I mean, they're all one seeds and they've been the most consistent. One thing that I'm, I'm surprised about and I'm kind of proud like happy about it, is Arizona. You know, <laughs> it Aaron McDonald is she look it's, It's pretty much her or nothing. She is pretty much the Ja Morant. She's pretty much the Steph Curry when it was at Davidson. She has led Arizona to have one of the best offenses in the entire NCAA as far as March Madness. And it's really been her or nothing. I mean, she had, what, 33 last game? Now, of course, you have Sam Thomas. You have Trinity um, Baptiste. But it's really been Aaron McDonald or nothing. And... While she's been good, it's kind of hard for me to sing. What I'm, what I'm pretty much gonna do is I'm gonna give my update: who I have in the final four, who I'm gonna win, or of course we have the final who I have in the national championship, who I'm gonna win, who I have winning. Uh, it's kind of hard for me to look at UConn versus Arizona and think UConn is not. It's hard for me not to see that this, this matchup and think. That it's pretty much it's, it's lopsided, because while you have Erin McDonald, she's been good, and while you have the seed, you know you have the one seed against the three. When you look at UConn, yeah, you have Paige uh, Buckner, but she hasn't been quote unquote the well. She did, she was the best player last game. She had like twenty eight points, but she hasn't been really the best player for for UConn this entire series. It's really been Crystal Williams. I'm sorry, Kristen Williams. Kristen Williams has been incredible. Evil Westbrook was been, has been good. It's like UConn has won in the team aspect. They've won because the team has been better. They've been better at, at, at controlling the rebounds. They've been better at controlling the paint. They've been better at shooting uh, mid-range threes. Like They've been better all around. And while Arizona has been good, it's really if you really look at all the games, it's been Aaron McDonald, and that's about it. So, I just, oh man, it's I have I have air. It's kind of hard for me to, it's it's kind of hard for me to see what I've been looking at from with UConn and not think that, um, like I have to go with I have to go with UConn over Arizona, especially seeing how to me UConn's biggest opponent, like biggest opposition outside of the national championship, was Baylor, in my opinion, and they won now. Okay, and we, we all we we already talked about what happened at the end, and if, if they would have called it, of course UConn could have went down and scored again. Maybe they, I think there there would have been about four to five seconds left, but you know Baylor would have had the lead, and if the if she would have hit both free throws, but it's it's kind of hard again. What I've seen out of Arizona this entire this entire tournament. Now I, I will say this. Arizona has not always been it's not been a one Aaron Don Aaron McDonald has been great this entire year. but like I said you have Sam Thomas, you have Trinity Baptiste and they've been really good throughout the entire season. It's just they're they've been spotty from game to game as in like Sam uh, Sam Thomas would be good and then Trinity Baptiste would be good but Sam wouldn't and it's it's kind of like to go back and forth. The consistent score has been Aaron McDonald, and that's different from UConn because like I said you have Paige Buckner who is one of the best freshmen in the and if not the best freshman in the in the in the world in the conference I mean in the in the what NCAA you got uh like I said Kristen Williams has been good uh Avena Avena Westbrook has been good it's it's like you don't know who you're gonna get. As far as you don't know who's you know someone's gonna be good. You just don't know who. And because of that, I have UConn beating Arizona and making it to the uh what national championship. Now on South Carolina and Stanford side, it's this is this to me is is the matchup right here. This to me is the matchup that we've been waiting for as far as, you know, yeah, you have UConn and that's on one side, but this is two number ones, and this is the only two number ones. That that could meet because, like I said, uh, NC State lost on the on the other side, which and they would have been new but so, and, and and both South Carolina and Stanford have some great players: uh, Zia Cook, Victoria Saxton, Aaliyah Boston. It's just like that's on the South Carolina side and on Stanford side you have Haley Jones, Kiara Williams, while Hannah Jump hasn't been in great the whole year she was really good last game i think she had like a like a like 20 something points last game to me it's really who can control the pace of the game because they both both stanford and south carolina play sort of similar you know, you you ha- South Carolina play. They like to run. They like to go up and down. But they also like to control the paint. They like to be methodical with their passes. They like to be methodical with how many times they pass, who they pass to, passing outside the post, how many times they shoot the ball. And Stanford does the same thing. But I have to go with I have to go with Coach Don, and I'm going to go with South Carolina. I just think that Zia Cook or Zia Cook her ability to shoot the ball and control the pace of the game will definitely, definitely, to me, is better than Haley Jones. Now, I understand, you know, Haley Jones is a little bigger, but I just think Zia Zia, Zia Cook has been better throughout the the entire tournament. And she can arguably be, you know, one of the all-first-team tournament, you know, in the tournament. So I have South Carolina and UConn making it to the national championship for the women's side. On the men's side, you have Gonzaga and Michigan and then Houston and Baylor. Now, again, I had, I had what Gonzaga and Illinois in the national championship. And I kind of felt it it, it felt tough. Like I felt like I was reaching, picking Illinois to win. And that's because of how good Gonzaga has been. Gonzaga can beat you in so many areas. They, can, they and Gonzaga doesn't have a weakness. Now, when you ha, you know, it's it's like when you look at the game, you can you you can look at their game and you don't know who the potential number one overall pick could be, which is Jalen Suggs. But Drew Timmy has been great. Uh, of course, Corey Kessup is is he's their score. Uh, I forgot. The, the point guard a uh, Ayahi I forgot his, I forgot how to say his name but he's been he's been great. It's like Gonzaga can beat you in so many and they can if they're not scoring well, they're going to they're going to clamp you up defensively. Drew Timmy can can control the paint. There's also another uh what 6'11 7-footer that they have coming off the bench who's pretty good. It's like but here's the thing the way to beat, in my opinion, the way to beat Gonzaga is you have to control the paint. I don't know. I don't know how, like, again, you, they have scores, but if you take out Drew Timmy and really dominate the paint, you have a chance of winning. You see all the games that they've been close, the opponents have either been close or beaten them in point scoring that fells that fares really well for Michigan because when you have uh hunter dickerson when you have uh Franz Wagner both of them can control the paint and i think i would pick hunter, hunter dickerson dickinson over drew timmy but i wouldn't pick michigan over um gonzaga but that to me that's gonna be i think at this point in the in the tournament this ha, this Michigan will be the best game that they played cuz we see what Michigan did to um, UCLA like it was a good game and UCLA has been one of those teams where they just squeaked in but hell they beat some really good talent but like i said Hunter Dickerson, Dickinson and Eli Brooks have, have they've led the way with Isaiah Levers being out or Livers, or whatever, however I say his name. Um, But again, I just don't think that... I think it's going to be a really good game. But I just... I look at what we see... Like I said, Gonzaga is a complete team. If if Drew Timmy is not good, you still have Jalen Suggs, who is a potential top five pick in the draft. If he's not good, you still have Corey Kissup, who is a bona fide scorer and a leader, seeing as though I believe he's a senior. It's just... It's just it's just from what I've seen they have not had I think they have had they've had I think the stat is they've beat their opponent by double digits 26 straight times I believe. Like that's that's tough to do. So it it would be different if Isaiah Levers was in the game because it 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 resets their it, it pretty much resets their their rotation. Players don't have you know Players that usually don't get as many minutes and aren't really depended upon as much can go back to their roles. And while Hunter Dickinson, how a lot of people think that he is their best player, which he could be, and a lot of people think Eli Brooks could be their best scorer, which he could be. Isaiah Lever is kind of the, he he's a big forward that can control the ball and control the temple of the game. So I think the game would be a lot better. Of course, if Isaiah Levers was there, but because he's not, and because Gonzaga to me is a complete team, I have Michigan. I mean, I have Gonzaga winning this game. And when you talk about Michigan and Baylor, I've been incredibly impressed by what I've seen from Houston. I said Michigan and Baylor. Houston, I'm sorry. Houston and Baylor. I've been incredibly impressed from what I've seen from Houston. Uh, You know, Dijon, Jeru, Quentin Grimes, Marcus Sazer or Sazer, it's it's just it's the problem with Houston is they have not put a, they going into the going into March they did not put a they really were inconsistent of a complete game meaning their offense can go off but their defense will struggle or their defense would be their defense would be okay but their offense would 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 kind of kind of weather, weather out, not to mention they dealt with injury bugs. So the fact that, you know, De- jean has been great, uh Quentin Grimes been like they've, they have, they have looked like one of the most, they've looked like the best, one of the best teams, which of course they're in the final four, but they've looked like one of the best teams in all of the, all of the, in all of college basketball and they can score the, the the best thing about them is they can score from every level. They can score in the paint, they can score in the mid-range, and they're 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 good from 3. They're not the greatest three-point shooters, but they 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 can light it up from 3. <laughs> and, and and the thing about it is I'm a, the reason why I think this is going to be a really good game is because both these teams, which is Houston and Baylor, um, are kind of con-, con like they kind of contrast each other. Uh, while Houston, their guard play outside of Quentin Grimes isn't the greatest, they do have some pretty good fours and bigs, and their fours and bigs are the bulk of their scoring, outside of course Quentin Grimes. When you look at Baylor, you have Mikio Teague, you have Jared Butler, you have Davion Mitchell, those are the the, the three headed monster. I told I talked about when I did my rankings or predictions. The three headed guard monster, like they they have been incredible. And while I'm not saying the the guards position for Houston is is a problem, it's not their strongest suit. And I but however, <laughs> this to me is a pick 'em game. I've seen Houston at their best and it's it's hard. and I've also seen Baylor at their best. And while their last games were good, they it, it wasn't their best. And I I'm going to go with Baylor. I'm going to go with Baylor because I think Baylor's been more consistent this entire year, this entire playoffs, well, March Madness, even though Houston has been incredible. But I think that this is going to be the best game of the weekend. I think on the women's side is going to be South Carolina and Stanford, because I think the talent levels are 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 a lot more even than UConn and Arizona. And on the men's side, I think Houston and Baylor are going to be uh, the bet, the best one, because it's a Texas showdown, too, because I just think that both these teams are hot. Both these teams are. Are rolling in both these teams. They kind of they're kind of contrary to each other, but you know you got the forwards for the guard, uh, forwards for Houston, and you have the guards for Baylor. So I just think that class is that clash is going to be cool and, and, and good to see. So I have for the women's side, I have UConn going against South Carolina for the national championship, and I have uh, Gonzaga going against Baylor. Now, of course, on Saturday. Uh, I'll I mean, we'll talk about it again, but, you know, that's what I have. That's that's what I got. And this, you know, all this college basketball talk has kind of has kind of got me thinking about something. So over the weekend, um, Mike Woodson and Shaka Smart were both introduced for the new school Shaka smart who coached for Texas now is the head coach of uh, Marquette and Mike Woodson is now the head coach of Indiana now and these are t- well Indiana is more of the storied program but Marquette's been good for a minute and but it's got me to think sometimes you have to be aware of what you are in fact Most of the time, you really have to be aware of just who you are, what you are, and what situation you're in. I say that to say, you see a lot of times, and this is in college basketball, this is most definitely in college football, and you see this a lot in the NBA, in fact, you see this a lot in almost every sport, that coaches are put on short leashes, even if the team, like, I don't know if it's fan bases. I don't know if it's ADs. I don't know what it is, but teams have a lot of teams have unrealistic um, expectations for their team. And I'm kind of looking specifically at the Mike Woodson hire. Now, I'm not saying it's not good. I would love to see all my African-American brothers and sisters get jobs. Uh, Shouts out to uh, Don Staley for South Carolina. Shouts out to. I'm sorry, I don't know. I forgot her name, but the coach for Georgia Women's, uh, of course, Shaka Smart, um Mike Woodson, the coach for Houston, who is an African-American coach that is um coaching Houston right now in the Final 4. But one thing that I don't I don't like. And one thing that I'm starting to see a lot more, especially in college is teams are not realistic about who they are. Like I said, this goes back to Mike Woodson because the, the coach before him, I think he's only been, he wasn't there for that long. And because he didn't have the success, I guess that you were, you were expecting, then he was sent out of there. But it's like, what do you expect from Indiana? You see, and that's why, that's why I, I, you know, I think of course, coaching NFL or coaching college and coaching professionals, they both come with their, te- with their difficulties. But I think coaching college is tough because you got to recruit and you have to, you know, go state to state and, and go to these kids homes or go to these kids games and, and just recruit. And then you have to figure out about uh, money and figure out about when I say money, scholarships and stuff like that. But, And we always talk about the Blue Bloods, right? We always talk about Dukes. We always talk about North Carolinas. We always talk about Kansas. We always talk about Kentucky. Well, one of the reasons why we always talk about them is because they're always good, and they usually get the recruits. Or, you know, um, what's another team that gets a lot of recruits uh, that isn't a a Blue Blood? Um,
1: Hmm.
0: Oh! Uh What's that? Washington. Washington gets a lot of recruits, but they're not a blue blood. It's like, what do you expect if you're Indiana? What do you expect if you're Marquette and you don't have the recruiting like that? Now, it'll be different, and this could change. You know, Shaka Smart can be an incredible recruiter because we saw what he took, you know, a Texas team that was kind of, I mean, they've had a rich history, but that before him, they were kind of like in flux, like what's happening next but and he brought them all the way, you know, back to to relevancy. And because a lot of people were forgetting that Texas has had some successful some, some successful seasons. I mean, you had Kevin Durant on the team. You had Lamar Aldridge, You had P.J. Tucker. Texas has some good players. It's just they haven't really been successful since, since then until Shaka Smart came. Indiana, I think that they're going they're looking at Mike Woodson and seeing, you know, he's coached some big name players. Like he's coached Derek, I mean, uh, what's his name? Carmelo Anthony. And he's coached some big name NBA players. And I think that they're hoping, not to mention he played for Indiana. And Shark is is smart. He lived, I think, like an hour away from Marquette up in Wisconsin. I think that they're hoping that their connection to the to the game or to the school Will bring on more people. But it's like if the recruiting, that's like what what's more important? And this is this is to me huge. This is a huge and a different conversation for another day. But what's more important? The college coach or the college recruiter. Because if you can't bring kids on, who are you gonna you're gonna coach what you got? And you're <laughs> It's like when you look at this, the success or lack of success for a for an organization, is it really on the coach? Now, it could be the coaching staff, and it could be the coach. But, like, when you look at um, – I'm not going to say it's the coach's fault. But when you look at Oklahoma State this year, I mean, you have potentially number one player, and you lose in, like, the second round. Like, that. that's not supposed to happen. Now, I'm not saying that is the coach. I'm just saying – I mean, the recruiter got the number one player there. It's just like, what's going on? You look at LSU. LSU usually has a top player, so it's just they're never, like, as successful in the tournament. And it's just like, what, what's going on? Back to Washington. Washington has had some – I mean, you've had Isaiah Thomas. You've had Markel Fultz. You've had DeJounte Murray. Yet and still, there's no, <laughs> there's no uh, tournament success to that. It's like, you got to look like, what's going on? But it's just it's just a conversation to be I had. I hope the best. And I pray that Shaka Smart is 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 incredible and does great things at Marquette. I pray Mike Woodson is the best coach that Indiana has ever had, and that's saying things. But it's just hard. It's like and it kinda it also it also kind of piggybacks the conversation that we have between African American coaches. Now, this is like I said, these these are two different Like I mean, you have Indiana. We know the rich history they have in college basketball, and Marquette they've had some good players. They've had Jimmy Butler, they've had Crowder, they've had they've had some really good players. But it's kind of like when you put an African American in a situation, African American coach in a situation, and things start getting rocky, they're quick quicker to pull the plug on an African American coach than they are a, a Caucasian coach. Hell, you look at. Um, what's his name something frost that coached nebraska forever and he ain't been good like for a minute yet and still you know it took it took them a minute and it's just but then you look at a coach you look at uh, an african-american coach they'll get pulled after two two years if they're not good it's just it's again i pray for nothing but um no, nothing but the best for Shaka Smart, and nothing for the best. Nothing but the best for Mike Woodson when it comes to their new teams, which is Indiana and Marquette. So, and and shouts out to both of them for getting hired in programs that they're kind of familiar with. When I say kind of, like I said, uh, Shaka Smart was lived down the street from Marquette, and Mike Woodson played for the team, played for Indiana. So, shouts out to them. Let's move over to the NBA. So the biggest news uh, was of course Lamarcus Aldridge, you know, let me say this. Last episode we talked about the there's pretty much seasons in the middle of seasons. <laughs> let me let me let me clear that up. There are different seasons in one season of the NBA season. You have the beginning, teams are just getting back, you know, you know, you got preseason teams are getting back. Uh, you know, those are the really the rusty The the, the first few months or first month or two, then you have, you know, there's then you have the time right before all star break. Teams are they're they're starting to get hot, but, you know, they're crawling to all star break. Then you have all star break and that's where teams get to reload and, you know, get healthy. Then you have the free agency of trade deadline, not free agency. I'm sorry. You have the trade deadline. Then you have the buyout market. And I said last last episode that the two biggest buyout market options was LaMarcus Aldridge and Andre Drummond. Now of course there's, there's there's still players out there that are really good like DeMarcus Cousins, he's still out there uh and and he could definitely improve a team maybe who knows. Um but the biggest names were LaMarcus Aldridge and and Andre Drummond. And I was shocked because I the, the reports I was hearing was LaMarcus Aldridge his, um, his pretty much number one destination was Miami. And I was kind of hearing that it was between uh, the Lakers and the Knicks when it come to Andre Drummond. But, shocker, <laughs> LaMarcus Aldridge picked Brooklyn and, of course, Andre Drummond picked the Lakers. And, of course, this, this, this sent everyone in an uproar about Brooklyn uh, you know, you got K D, Kyrie, James Harden, you got uh Blake Griffin now, you got uh Lamarcus Aldridge and DeAndre Jordan, Joe Harris on the team, Landry Shaman's on the team. Like they got some they got they got a team. And of course the Lakers now LeBron, A D, uh Andre Drummond, you got Montrez Harold, you have um Dennis Schroeder, you know, you you have you have a, a pretty good team. I'm not here to uh say you know uh the is trash for picking the Nets or you know they have to build this team to beat LeBron I'm not saying that I will say I'll say this first I mean I get it you know what I mean like it's, it's kind of like even though nobody really wants to say it and nobody wants to admit to it it's kind of like the part when you are at a park. Now, I understand about competition, and everything, but you want to win, so you want the best people on the team. And of course, it, it, I think um, I think just, uh, Steve Nash said it. It's like you're you're getting upset with Brooklyn for trying to be better. Like it just you know it is what it is. Uh, I think Brooklyn now should be the prohibitive favorite, seeing as though you have a bevy of talent on your team, and. I don't. I don't. Th- I I do think that you know. I don't think p- people like Miami or 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 the Bucks are really close, but they they can they can win a game or two. But I just don't think, at least in the East, I don't think anyone's really close to the 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 Brooklyn Nets. Now on the Lakers side, when they're both when when everyone's healthy, it's kind of tough. I mean. When you're looking, I think Denver's. I think the West is 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 definitely loaded and talented. I think Denver can can make a run. Utah's still number one. We'll see what they can do. I I, I just think the road is tougher for the Lakers than it is Brooklyn. However, I do still see both teams make it to the championship. But the the a, there was a conversation that was started uh, with the with the announcement of LaMarcus Aldridge and Drummond that I wanted to speak on. And that was, is the buyout market or the buyout process, do they hurt small market teams? And this kind of, this kind of was triggered by, well, of course, like I said, LaMarcus Aldridge and and Andre Drummond. But when you look at small market teams and you look at teams that have maybe stars that, um, They acquired from trade or draft. I do think I'll say this. I do think that the buyout market does need some tinkering because it's hard for me to see a San Antonio. And I know San Antonio is a horrible example, seeing as though how much success they've had. But it's hard for me seeing a San Antonio and seeing a Detroit or a Cleveland. Um. And having a, a a star or a good player, and then because they're disgruntled or ask for a trade. Once once someone asks for a trade, right? It pretty much it, it's almost destined that either unless you're like James Harden or something. If you're like a, if you're not on the level of James Harden or Steph's or or KDS or Bronze, and you ask for a trade and you don't find one by the trade deadline, more than likely you're getting bought out. Like, that's why a lot of people thought Jason uh, J.J. Reddick was getting bought out. It's like, when you're not happy and don't want to be there, you usually get bought out. And I do think the buyout market hurts small market teams because usually when a player, and it's, it's usually not a big star, it's usually a, a player that can be very beneficial to a team, i.e. Lamar Gazaldridge, uh, Andre Drummond, um, let's see... uh it's it, I do once those players hit the bio market, usually they go to big market teams or they go to teams that are that are pretty much a piece away or yeah a piece away from a championship. and it's it's I do I think I think this situation with Brooklyn, is going to change – I think the NBA is going to – I don't think they need to, but I think the NBA is going to change the way they do things. And it's not and, – and let's look at Brooklyn for a second. Then let's look at how Brooklyn was assembled outside of uh, KD and Kyrie. The NBA is – and Jason – Jalen Rose said it best. The NBA is going to look at how Lamarcus – I mean how Blake Griffin – and pretty much Lamarcus Blake Griffin, Lamarcus Aldridge, and James Harden went about getting on that team. James Harden and, La, and and Blake Griffin pretty much did the same thing. They pretty much punted on their on their former teams. They pretty much sabotaged their former teams as far as they did say they won out, but their former teams like yo, you're you're signed to a contract. We're gonna keep you. They said, oh, hell to the no. And the, you know, James Harden got overweight. Blake Griffin stopped. dunking. They stopped giving effort. They. It was just. It, it became. They turned the locker room into a toxic environment until they were. They were traded, or yeah, until they were traded, or released. Same and Lamar Jackson did the same thing, but he pretty much pouted his way out of, out of San Antonio to get on the team. So I think that the NBA is going to look at how because it, it doesn't. While Brooklyn is happy. And while the players are happy, and this is more of a player-driven league between, you know, the difference between Adam, Adam Silver and um, David Stern, I think the NBA is going to look at that and be like, well, I don't, you know, they, they might change the way they do the whole buyout market. I, I don't think there needs to be change, but I, I think that the NBA is going to look at what happened with Brooklyn and what's happening with Brooklyn and be like, all right. Because think about it. Brooklyn still has one roster spot. And they can get, they can get someone else from the bio market. Hell, if they wanted to, Brooklyn can go out and get a Demarcus Cousins. Like, it's just, it's, it's, they, have, they have played the system perfectly, and I'm not. You can't get upset with it because that's what they're doing. So, I just think. Uh, shouts out to Lamarcus Aldridge for picking Brooklyn. Shouts out to Andre Drummond for picking the Lakers. I do think that. I, I don't think that. I think Lamarcus are No, let me say this. I think Andre Drummond's addition to the Lakers is bigger because I think that he's going to play a bigger role, and he fills a bigger need for the Lakers. Seeing as though he now puts Anthony Davis back at his right position or 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 his preferred position, he puts LeBron LeBron kind of back in his preferred position, and you know they they, they go from there. I don't. I think Lamarcus Aldridge will be is another body that you can throw at. A taller defender, even though he's not a defender or a taller player. Of course, we know about his mid range is incredible, and I do think he can still give you a solid 10, 15, 20 points. So we'll just uh, we'll just see how it goes. We'll see how it goes from there. So, but shouts out to shouts out to them. Shouts out to them. Shouts out to them. Moving forward. So, so we in fact hold on. Let's go back real quick. I've I was I've also heard I've also heard um a lot of people talking about how is it that you let Lamarcus Aldridge uh go on Brooklyn and you let all these players go on Brooklyn but when Chris Paul was trying to make it to the Lakers, um he he was vetoed or the, the, the trade was vetoed. That's a couple of reasons. One one it's a different it's a it's a different it was a different G, uh, you know, it was a different GM of the of the league. Um commissioner, there you go. It was a different commissioner of the league. Adam Silver is not David Stern. And don't get me wrong, you know, rest in peace, David Stern. He was a he is one of the biggest reasons why the league is now global and why and how the league has grown to where it has grown to. Uh with some of the calculated moves that he was in in in, in, in charge of. But don't get it twisted. David Stern was more of a owner's GM's commissioner than a players commissioner. And because of that, the owners and commis- the owners were like, hold up now. How the hell is it that the Lakers that, that had Kobe, that had Powell, that had all those players, how is it that they're able to um how is it that they're able to have at the time the best point guard in the league or arguably the best point guard in the league? Like, no, shut that down. The owners wanted him to shut the that down. And that's why he vetoed it. And I mean, not to mention, it's like, especially in the difference between, when we talk about just the players, between Lamarcus Aldridge and, and Blake Griffin and uh, Chris Paul. Because Chris Paul at the time was, like I said, arguably the best point guard in the game. And you're pairing him, not to mention you had Pal Gasol. You were about to get Dwight Howard. So it would have been Chris Paul, Kobe, Pal Gasol, Dwight Howard. And I don't remember, I think Ron Artest or something was, was this forward. Like you, you, you were about to have a squad like it's and, and don't get me wrong. I, I, I was, I'm not for the veto, but I'm just telling you how it happened and why it happened. When you look, like I said, the players, like Chris Paul was better at the time than, well, Chris Paul is better than Chris Paul is forever been better than LaMarcus Aldridge, but at the time Chris Paul was a better player secondly Adam Silver is more of a players coach which is why a lot of he allows a lot of things to happen that that I'm pretty sure if David Stern was still the commissioner the whole James Harden trade wouldn't wouldn't have happened because you have James Harden Chris uh, KD and Kyrie on the same team like that that probably would have got vetoed uh, Blake Griffin might have got vetoed, and and like none of that would have happened because the owners would have complained, and David Stern would have shut it down. Adam Silver, while the owners can complain, Adam Silver is more of a, GM, a player's GM, and because of that, he's more under. He, he's more like, all right, this is a player-driven league. Uh, we under I, we understand that they're not watching. They're not people don't come night after night to watch the the, the the coach or to watch the team. they uh, As far as like the team as a whole, they come to watch a player or players. Like there's a lot of people that say they're Lakers fans. And a lot of people that say they're LeBron's fan. There's a lot of people that say they're Golden State fans. and there's a lot of people that say they're Steph Curry fans. So they understand that this is a player driven league. When, when you go, when they sit, they don't send a team, they send a player out to, to advertise and stuff like that. So, that's one. That's the biggest reason why the Lamarcus Aldridge or James Harden or or Blake Griffin move wasn't vetoed, but Chris Paul was because David Stern is not Adam Silver. Not to mention, it's a new day. It's a different day in 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 the NBA. It's a different day in the world in general, and players have more power. And like I said, and that's that's why I said the player driven league, man. Players their players are more powerful vocally or you know socially with social media and we understand that this is just a new day like this that you can't you can't expect a player and this is what i think is different now than he's usually been you can't expect a player right to you can't expect a player to play a hundred percent or to to give their all to organization when they feel controlled by the organization. When they feel like the organization, like they have no say so, or they and this is a, this is the the problem and the difference between the NBA and the NFL. A lot of players in the NBA feel like okay, they have say so in the organization, but that's because maybe the organization goes to them. Uh, and says, yo, what move should we make? This, that, and the third. Um, they understand that because they both are team sport, but the NBA, a, a, a player can affect winning more than one player in the NFL outside of the quarterback. But even still, you can have a really good quarter. Hell, look at the Seahawks. You have Russell Wilson, but if you don't have running game, if you don't have offensive line, then you're pretty much strapped. This is a new day, so it's like, okay, I'm the players aren't gonna play for organization or don't want to play for organization that they don't feel they don't feel valued. And how do you think they will feel if James Harden has been requesting a trade out of here for God knows how long? You finally trade and then you veto it. You know what I mean? Like that's just, especially in today's game, that's just not gonna work. So that's why it wasn't vetoed. It's just a different it's a different game, man. It's a different world. And things are things are just different. So that's that. Now moving forward. <laughs> so UFC happened on Saturday and uh whew, Frank Naganu uh destroyed St- uh, Stippy. Uh it was pretty bad. Like he it was bad. And here's the thing, man. Francis Naganu, um after was asked about John Bones Jones, you know, they're both heavyweights and, and of course you've pretty, you know, the, I don't know if, I don't know if they'll fight again, seeing as though that would be the second fight. And I'm sure, uh, Stippy would probably want a third fight, seeing as though he had a third fight with Connor, uh, Daniel Cornier. Uh, but I, from what I saw, I don't, I don't. I'll say this. I got, I, it was, it was tough for me to watch and to see, you know, I, let, let me say this, man. It, it, I think that, I don't think that they, I know they're, they're pretty much um one and one so I'm sure there'll probably be a third, but I think that Francis Naganu. uh, should fight John Bones Jones. And the reason why is because right now, if you really look at it, they're both top of their class as far as uh, heavyweights. Now, controversy was a little sparked, and this is where I'm going to tie UFC into NBA, into NFL, um, into life. You want the best value for yourself. At the end of the day, especially when we talk about sports, you're only... As you're only gonna get as much as you negotiate, and as much as they, we, you agree upon. And a lot of uh, the the narrative was coming out that John Bones Jones is scared to fight again or won't fight again because he's he's running or he's scared or this that and the third, but and but he's he's kind of blanketing it or covering up and saying that he wants more money. Here's the thing, I don't remember the last time John Bones Jones fought. I'm not gonna hold you. I don't remember. But I do know that John Bones Jones, like Conor McGregor, is one of the faces of UFC. And a lot of people were with Conor McGregor when he's like, yo, I'm not fighting again until I get this X amount of money. And I don't know if he got it, but he got damn close to it. So when John Bones Jones is like, hold on now. I," and If he feels like he's the best fighter in the world, which he arguably is. I want the I want as much money as possible. And if you're not going to give me the money that I'm looking for, then what's the point of fighting? He's already won championship after championship. He's already, I think he's undefeated. It's like what's the point of fighting? Like, no. So, hey, man, it's kind of like kind of like with Deshaun Watson outside of the whole allegation thing. It's like stand stand on what you're standing on. If you feel you're worth that much money, and you feel like you should get more money, then hey, stand on that, bro. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. But I will say that I'm not trying to see uh Naganon and then Stippy again. Uh even though even though I I I guess I mean I do it is one on one and I I, I do want to nobody wants to end on a one on one, so I'm almost sure they're gonna have a three peat. But bruh, Nagan Neg- who destroy cuz um uh, and I would love to see him fight John Bones Jones. I don't know if it will happen. I don't know if they get the money to work. But if and I know, they're two different sports, pretty much. But if you were able to get Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury to fight, I think that we can get uh, Francis Ngannou and John Bones Jones to fight. Now, again, I understand that's boxing and that's a whole other world the UFC. But I, that's what I want to see. I want to see. But shouts out to Francis Ngannou. For beating Steppy uh in in the fight, and he he knocked him out, man. It was it was pretty bad. Some of the memes that came out of that fight was <laughs> was glorious, especially with the um the official and how people were killing the official because he let that joke go on a little longer than it should. But uh hey man, shout out to Francis Naganu for winning. So and lastly, before we go. So, the NFL yesterday agreed on um, having a 17-game season. And, of course, as we knew, almost every owner agreed yes. However, this is gone. This is coming off of almost every player. I don't think there's been one player that's come out and said they're for it. Now, of course, there are players that are for this because there's players that make less money than other players and they they they'll need that extra game check like I understand that there's I mean not everyone makes the same amount of money as Patrick Mahomes or Dak Prescott or you know uh Russell Wilson but pretty much majority of the league um is not for it and this this really just shows th- this is another indication I'm not saying that it's it's the only indication but this is another indication that the league really cares more about money than the players. I mean, there's, there's, mo- there's multiple, uh, there, there's multiple occurrences that show this, but this is just yet another one. The players are, you know, who have to put their body on the line for the game. By the way, uh, is saying that they, you know, this, this messes up their this, this put adds another layer of. Impact on their body and this that and a third but the owners like hey it makes I mean it makes money not to mention You kind of knew this was happening seeing as how much money that the league is losing not only last season With having partial to no fans, but COVID when they had to shut things down uh Yeah, I I, you knew it was gonna happen and this is just yet another example that the the league cares more about money and making the owners happy than the players now the difference between NBA and, and, and the players uh, NFL is the NBA. I think you'll see more players. You'll see a strike in the NBA before you see a strike with the NFL. I don't know. It's due to the fact that the I don't know. They both have player unions, don't they? So, well, you have the NBA, the PA, but you'll see a you'll see a NBA strike before you see an NFL strike because. The players want to play, um, and I—I I, I don't know. I, you'll all, like. <laughs> I guess the the like the the thought is you'll you'll never beat the shield, which is the NFL. So, hey man, we're getting another we're getting another game, uh, and again, this is just yet another example that the league cares more about money and cares more about pleasing the owners. Instead of the and you, and you, they can they can chalk it up and say no, but we know the fans want this. Yeah, but it'll be cool getting another game, but at, at what expense? I'm not the one putting my body on the line. I'm not the one getting hit like a like a car a front on car collision every time a, a back knocks me. Like I, that's not me. I would like to watch it, but I'm not putting going through it. So if a person that's going through it says. Yeah, man, I, don't, I ain't trying to do that, bro. Like, this this is this is tough. This is painful. I That's, that's something I would listen to. You know what I mean? But, hey, it is what it is. Shouts out to, I guess, the NFL for having another game. You know, 17 game, I think, starting next season. So, shouts out to them. And there you have it, man. That has been this week's episode of the Unpopular po- – or this is in this Wednesday's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. Again, please subscribe to wherever you're watching. Please subscribe to wherever you listen. If you're not watching on the YouTube, come over to the YouTube so you can get the full experience of the visuals. But I appreciate you guys. If you guys want any unpopular podcast merch, I got hoodies, sweaters, shirts, long sleeve, you name it. The link is in the description below. I appreciate you guys again. Love you guys. And until Saturday, much love. We're too
1: blessed to be having too much money in this rap game to be going to war with each other. And don't you ever get it twisty? Y'all can't go straight from my defenses. Judge me, take a minute, go to the beginning. When we was grinding, I was minding my own fucking business. Now, all these niggas thinking straight to go state their opinion. He died the house, but y'all were grinding, saving every penny. He died the house, I had my own house that same December. Ain't do no hating, I was waiting patiently to so get it. you let my cousin use the kitchen cook a half a Never fucking did it And when you ask them Try to ask him For to be realistic Now that I'm up They try their hardest Just to break a nigga Say what you want But on my soul I ain't changing nigga Can't shake the hood Cause Hollywood n'ot like where I'm from Still love the hood But they hate it When that cheddar come Rod crashed the vet But he came back In a better one Rod fits the vet Nah dog This here the second one Nah dog This here the second one Nah dog This here's nah, here was next to That I made it gets far Hey, don't you ever get it twisty? Youngin' come straight from out the trenches We don't get nothing out of them no more, man. We don't get no social commentary. We ain't get no kind of knowledge out these records. Everybody just talk about how many chains they got on and how much dope they sold. But the truth of the matter is this I don't believe you. Because I know you do, and I know you didn't sell no mm-hmm. dope. Struggle, man. I ain't for that, man, I ain't change that, I don't know if don't like it, man. Log off, man, sign out, man, I'm a man, if it ain't for you, it ain't for you. But it's relationship problem, street problem, money problem, man, I, man, who else, you hear me? The 98% of these dudes in cars. A nigga survived while a lot of niggas couldn't, man, for real.